Thanks, Linda. Okay, have you been enjoying the heat? Yeah, me either. It's nice in here, though, right? When I was out on the patio in between services, you know, and I'm just out there for a few minutes, I'm just standing there, and it's just hot and it's humid. And I, granted, it's much cooler today than it has been, right? But still, I went out there, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I come walking into the, into the indoor area. Right as you come into that hallway, there's this breeze that's created by the open door and the air conditioner, and you just stand there, and it's like, ah, oh. it's the greatest feeling, Right? Um, but this last week was kind of brutal with heat. If, you, if you're surprised by this, welcome to California. This is how September is. It's always the hottest month of the year. Um, and we're probably not done with ridiculously hot days, although, praise God, I heard it's supposed to be cooler the next couple of days. Maybe even get some of that, what do they call that? Um, yeah, yeah, rain. <laughs> Maybe we're even supposed to get some rain this week. So that would be really amazing. Um, but... But when it's hot like that, I don't know if any of you have to work outside for your job out in the sun. I'm always, when it's hot like that and I, I drive past where there's a construction zone and guys are like paving the streets and stuff, I just stop and pray for them. It's like, that is, I'm so grateful that I work in air conditioning most of the time. But, but when I'm out in that kind of weather, um, I just dehydrate like this, especially the humidity. I, you know, the heat is one thing. I can live with the heat, but the humidity is crazy. It, it saved me some money, though, which is good, because my wife has been on my case to take her to Florida. Take me to Florida. Take me to Florida. And I just took her outside and said, this is like Florida. So I think I saved like five grand doing that. So that was, I was thankful for that. But I get to the point where I'm just parched where I just absolutely got to have one of these. So this time of year, I've always got one of these in my hand. I'm carrying them with me. There's like empties in my car and all that kind of stuff because um, you just get thirsty when it's hot and when it's humid, right? And I was thinking about that because it's a tremendous metaphor, I think, for life for so many people. There's a whole lot of people, and you know this because you see them, there's a whole lot of people out there who are just parched, metaphorically speaking, that are just dying for a cool drink of water, that are just desperate for some sort of refreshment, some sort of sense of fulfillment, some sort of sense of something right in their lives, and they will go after almost anything to get it, because when you have this emptiness and there's this urge to fill it, you will find a way, you will seek it out, you will try anything, and people do. They try absolutely anything, because people are thirsty for something, and a lot of times they don't know what it is. There's a lot of people out there that are very thirsty for love. There's a lot of people out there, you, you meet kids that like say um, in the foster system or things like that where you just go, you know, this kid has no experience with somebody that just loves them unconditionally and they don't know what that's like. And then you get involved with them and you start to spend time with them and build, build into their lives and they're just like a sponge that is dry that soaks up the cool water of just somebody loving them. And there are people that are just desperate for love and it doesn't matter whether they're three or whether they're 23 or whether they're 83, everybody wants to be loved and if people don't feel loved, they will go to great lengths to find a way to feel loved. There's a lot of people out there that are, that are just thirsty for some sense of 
significance, for some sense of fulfillment in their life, for some sense that their life matters, that they're actually important, that, that what they do is important, that, that something about them and who they are makes a difference. There's a lot of people out there that are just thirsty for some kind of satisfaction, just some sort of cool drink. You remember the, um, if you're old like me, do you remember the uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons? There would always be the one where he's out in the desert, right, and he's just barely able to move, and he's all parched, and he looks off in the distance, and what does he see? Yeah, it's always this beautiful, beautiful, like, lake with palm trees. There's always, like, a real pretty girl rabbit laying there like this, you know, drinking a, a lemonade or something like that, and he sees, he's like, oh, yes, and he just takes off, and he gets there, and he dives in, and he just gets a face full of sand, Right? And, and I think that's happening so often to so many people. What you think is water turns out to not be water. Christy and I were out to dinner with friends this week. We, were, we're, we went to um, Victoria Gardens, um, which is out there in the Inland Empire. They have all these shops and all these restaurants. And we had had dinner, and we just decided to go for a walk, and all of us were walking. We went and sat down in this little courtyard area. They have this really cool paved area. And as we're just sitting and talking, this guy walks by and he's walking his dog, right? Just a little dog and he's walking his dog and, and then suddenly the dog stops, right? Now, I don't know if you have a dog, but if you're walking your dog and they stop, it's usually for a reason, right? So I'm just sort of watching this as we're having our conversation and it's all paved and, and so this dog just sort of squats in the middle of this paved area and makes a huge puddle, Okay. And the guy who owns the dog just sort of looks at it and shrugs his shoulders and walks on, right? So I don't think much of it. And there's just this puddle now there. And, and I don't think anything of it for about two or three minutes until this really cute young family with the little three-year-old boy comes by. And they're walking. And what do three-year-old's boys do when they see puddles? And this little boy runs up to this puddle and he starts jumping in the puddle. And I'm just like, oh, dear God. <laughs> and I'm thinking, should I tell them? <laughs> and I thought, nah, ignorance is bliss. Let the kid enjoy his puddle. He thought it was water, but it wasn't, right? Now, um, here's the thing. Like Bugs Bunny and like the little kid jumping in the wrong kind of puddle, there's a whole bunch of people thirsty for something, and they're accepting a counterfeit. And they're they are just taking their full drink of something that is not going to satisfy and, in fact, is likely to poison them. And, and it happens to all kinds of people. It happens to people in all walks of life. It happens to people at all kinds of different ages. There's always the um, stereotypical middle-aged guy who decides when he wakes up one morning, looks around and goes, ah, this is not where I wanted to be. And then he goes and buys a sports car and he thinks that somehow that's going to make his life feel better. If that's you and you're thinking about going to buy that sports car, let me save you 40 grand. Give the 40 grand to the church. You'll feel better. You don't need a sports car. Okay? But... But a whole lot of people are doing that sort of stuff. People are going after something to satisfy this thirst. And, and I was researching this, and I, I came across a study that was done in 2013. And so it was a study of 2012, and, and it sh I learned something that shocked me. In America, in 2012, there were 156,000 people who tried heroin for the first time. 
tried heroin for the first time. Now, I understand addiction. I know that when you're addicted to something, it is very, very difficult to get off of it. And from what I've heard about heroin, oftentimes you're addicted the very first time that you use it, and it is the most difficult drug to get off of once you're on it, they say. And that has certainly been my experience with the people that I have worked with who have been caught up in that cycle and that try as they might, it is extremely, extremely difficult to get off of. But the thing is, we know all of that, right? The other thing that was interesting in the study is that it's not teenagers that are doing this. It's adults. You know, so it's not about the whole peer pressure thing or I got to fit in or I got to look cool to this girl or anything like that. It's something different. It's, it's I've reached a point in my life and I go, I'm so unfulfilled that I got to have something that I would actually try something that I know is almost certain to destroy my life. Why are people doing it? How desperate do you have to be to start using heroin? Let me say it again. People are thirsty for something. Now, I want you to take your Bibles. Hopefully, you have one with you. If you don't, just look on with somebody. Um, I know a lot of you have digital Bibles. Um, That's fine, too. Go to Isaiah chapter 55 in the Old Testament. Isaiah 55, it's maybe two-thirds of the way through your Old Testament. And I just want you to find that passage, whether you're turning pages or you're flipping through your iPhone or doing it on your uh, tablet or however it is that you're using your Bible. I just want you to get to Isaiah 55, and I don't want to start until most of us are there. So how are we doing? Isaiah chapter 55. Are you there? Everybody there? Okay, so if you have a Bible like this, a paper Bible, what I want you to do is put your finger in it and close your Bible. And if you have a digital Bible of some sort, what I want you to do is just turn it upside down and don't look at it. Okay? Because I want you to experience the Word of God in a a way that's a little bit different. Instead of reading it with your eyes, I want you to just listen. You may even want to close your eyes. We're going to go back and look at it together later, but first I want you to just listen, just hear the Word of God. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. And eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you, because the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel... For he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come, God says, and buy wine and buy milk and buy bread without money. It co- it's not your regular transaction. He, it's interesting, he doesn't say, come and get free bread and free milk and free wine. He says, come and buy it without money. So there's some sort of transaction that is taking place, but it's not a monetary transaction. It's God saying, listen, come to me. As you come to me, everything that you need that satisfies, which is, which is symbolized by bread and milk and wine and all of that, he says, come to me and you will have what satisfies you and you don't need any money to buy it, but there will be this transaction that takes place when you come to Jesus and you lay yourself down at his feet and you say, my life is your life. He says, finally, I was wondering how long it was going to take you, how much longer you were going to chase after all of those mirages and how much longer you were going to dance in a puddle that is just making you stink. And you are going to come to me and lay down your life so I could give you what actually satisfies. And he says, why do you buy what doesn't fulfill? Why do you drink what doesn't satisfy? Why do you eat that which does not nourish you? Instead, you're going after all of this stuff. And I sit here, God says, and I hold out my hands and I say, come to me because I have this whole table here that is just laid out for you to come and experience life abundantly. Come, he says. Partake. Don't miss out. Come, all who thirst. People are thirsty for something. They're thirsty for God. They're thirsty for an actual touch in their lives from a living God. They're thirsty for the Word of God, which has the ability to transform their lives. People are desperate to hear from God. And yet we're so quick to listen to the countless other voices out there that are counterfeits of the voice of God. And so we're starting this new um, sermon series called Can You Hear Him Now? Learning to recognize and respond to God's voice. And so the idea is that there is, a, there is a God who actually exists and He's actually out there speaking and you're thirsty for what He has to offer you. The question is, will you come? Will you listen? Come, all who thirst. But somehow we're willing to listen to anything else. Anything else. Think about what comes into your ears, what comes into your mind. Every single day, all the opinions, all the philosophies, all the ideas, all of the rhetoric, all of the propaganda, all of the stuff that we readily chew up and swallow that is being offered to us from all of these other voices. You know, it blows my mind how common it is 
for people, even Christian people, to say on social media or something, they'll, they'll post the astrology thing of the day. And I'm like, what? This is the voice we're going to listen to when the voice of God is out there for us? This is what we're going to go after? That which does not satisfy? And we go after all of these crazy voices. But even when we try to go after the voice of God, even when we want to hear the voice of God, we even get that all mixed up because we sort of think that we ought to hear it in some sort of dramatic way that doesn't involve any effort or patience or listening on our part, that somehow we're just going to be walking along like some guy was a long time ago, and he looked down and there was a bush on fire, and there was a voice coming from the bush, and we're thinking, yes, that's the way I want you to talk to me, God. I want you to speak to me from a burning bush. I want you to write on the wall like you did for the king in the book of Daniel. I want you to speak with a resounding voice as the clouds open up and you say, Doug, I want you to buy a new car and I'm supposed to know, then I'll know. That's what I want. And yet, that doesn't seem to be the norm. Or we just want to feel it. We just want to sort of know in our spirit that God is saying something to us. And this is such a tricky um, issue because, and we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, it's such a tricky issue. It's like a tightrope when you begin to listen to that sort of inner voice because it's absolutely true that if you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, that He does speak within you, that He does prompt you from within. And yet, oh my goodness, the number of things we're willing to chalk up to the voice of God just because we felt it or thought it or it made sense to us. And, you know, I don't know how it is for you when you hear the voice of God, but I'll tell you what it is for me. Most of the time when I think I'm hearing the voice of God, His voice sounds an awful lot like my voice. And that's hard. And we're going to dig into that in the weeks to come. We're going we're to look at what are we supposed to do about that. But for now, let's at least say this, that, that we want to feel this. And how many times have you had someone sort of come up and say, you know, or you heard someone say, you know, I know that God is telling me to... And you go, gosh, why doesn't God ever tell me stuff? Or, or have you ever had somebody come up and say, you know, I have a word from God for you? That's always a tricky one, right? Because what are you supposed to do? If you disagree with what that person is saying, you're arguing with God, right? And so it puts you in this difficult situation. It's like, how am I supposed to figure this out? Here's the problem with all of that stuff. It's all subjective, even if I'm sincere, how do I know the difference between what I feel strongly and what God has put upon my heart? It's not easy. How do we know the voice of God? Because after all, we've seen it in the news so many times. Tragic story. A woman drowned her three kids because God told her to. Is there really a way to know the mind of God? Can we actually hear the voice of God at all, and, and maybe here's the best way to ask the question, is God still speaking today? Is He, is he still speaking at all? And to answer that, let me just sort of lay it out for you theologically. We have to dial it back before we can answer that question directly. We have to lay the foundation for it, and here's where it begins. And you, I'm going to just state this statement. It's a theological statement, and if you agree, you just say amen, okay? Listen, here's the deal. Our God is alive and well. Amen? That's where it has to begin. Is God still speaking today? Let's begin with the question, is our God still living today? And the answer is yes. Our God 
is alive and well. Listen, the great news of Easter is not that he has risen. The great news of Easter is that he is risen. Do you see the difference? That's why we say he is risen. He is risen indeed. It's not just that he has risen. There are a few people in history who have risen from the dead. Lazarus has risen from the dead. And you know what happened to him after that? He died again. But Jesus is risen. Jesus is alive. If if our Bibles are to be trusted, and I think they are, if the Word of God is true, and I think it is, then I've got to tell you, we serve a God who is alive and well and active and isn't changing. The same God that spoke to Moses in the burning bush is speaking to people today. The same God who spoke the words and all of the universe was created as a response to his words is still speaking today. In fact, it is the nature of God to speak. He spoke And all of creation came into existence. He is still living today. He is still speaking today. Now, hopefully you still have your finger there in Isaiah chapter 55. Leave it there. But turn back to Exodus chapter 3. Second book of the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3. You say you want God to come to you and speak to you in a burning bush? Well, he did. He came and spoke to Moses in a burning bush. And let's see what Moses learned from it. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. This is a conversation that's going on between God and Moses as God is speaking from the bush, and he's calling Moses to a very specific ministry, which you probably know about. And so Moses is not so sure about this, and he's trying to clarify, and he's trying to squirm out of it. And here's what he says in chapter 3, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now in your English Bible, it says, I am. Probably you may have heard that uh, the, the Hebrew word there is, well, the best we can do with it is we pronounce it Yahweh, right? And the reason it's the best we can do with it is because the name of God is so holy that the ancient Jewish scribes would not even, were not even permitted to write his name, so they just put the consonants. So we have to sort of guess what vowels filled in, and so we use the word Yahweh, or, or the more um, popular Greek translation, Jehovah, Right? the name of God, but we've got it here in English. It's pretty simple. I am. The God who always was before the beginning of all creation, who never came into existence because he's already been in existence, the one who precedes everything that is made because he made it all, that God, the one who was, his name is not I was, his name is I am. The God who you read about in the book of Revelation, who is coming in the clouds with power and great glory, the one who brings all of history to a culmination somewhere down the road, the one who always will be. His name is not I always will be. His name is I am. In the present tense, I am. And over and over and over and over in Scripture, Old Testament to New Testament, he keeps using his name, I am. I am with you. 
I am the God who heals you. I am the Lord your God. I am God Almighty. I am God the Creator. I am God the Sustainer. I am God the Provider. His name is I Am. The same God who was, the same God who will be, He's the God who is today. And one of the things we need to know about God is one of the things He cannot do is change in His nature. He will always be as He has always been. I am. In fact, we won't turn to it, but if you were to go to the book of Revelation, you see the risen Christ, the exalted Christ that John sees the vision of in Revelation chapter 1. He says to him something along these lines in Revelation chapter 1. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come, and I was dead, but I am alive forevermore. I am. He's the same yesterday, today. And forevermore. Was he a God who speaks? Will he be a God who speaks? He is a God who speaks. And so, as Christians, we don't need to follow the ancient teachings of an ancient deity. If we could just believe the first four words of the book of Genesis in the beginning, God. And if you got that down, the rest takes care of itself. We're not, we're not worshiping or studying or learning from or considering the philosophies of some great ancient sage who once spoke, and when he spoke, people wrote it down so that what he once said we could study today and try to understand. We are studying, even when we study the Bible in its written form, which has existed for thousands of years, even when we study this, we are studying the very words of God that He is speaking today. That's why it says in Hebrews that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And He is the God who was and is and is to come. And what boggles the mind is that God, that self-existent God, that God who doesn't need anything, looks at you and me and says, I want to have a relationship with you. So much so that I'm not even going to hold back my own son and he'll buy your pardon. He's just as active today as he ever was before. And he didn't send his son to die so that you could learn about him. He sent His Son to die so that you could know Him, the living God. Is God still speaking today? Absolutely. The problem is never that God is not speaking. If there's a problem, it's that we're not very good at listening. Amen? Some of you didn't say amen. Were you not listening? It's true. So let's go back and listen again to Isaiah chapter 55, where you still have your finger marking it. And we won't read the whole thing, but I want to point out to you a couple of things. In verses 2 and 3, for example, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. You see those words? Listen carefully to me, God says. The God who is speaking. Incline your ear, lean in and pay attention to me, he says. Come to me, and when you come to me, listen. 
because what I have to say to you will bring you life. Listen, he says, and you will live. God's still speaking today. He's speaking through His Word, which is living and active, as we said, and and His Word is um, processed for us, within us, if we're Christians, by the Holy Spirit, who is also living and active, by the way. And it's just as legitimate today that God speaks to us through His Word as it was when He was speaking it then through the pens of the apostles. So it's not only accurate to say that God spoke through His Word to the original audience, it is also accurate to say He is speaking through His Word to you and me today. We saw in Isaiah 55, 11, look at verse 11. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth and will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Look at the beginning of that verse. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It's present tense. His word goes forth, ever going forth from his mouth. We see the same thing if you go to um, Deuteronomy 8.3. You don't have to turn there. Just trust me. You can look it up later. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which what? Proceeds out of the mouth of God. It doesn't say by every word which proceeded out of the mouth of God so that someone wrote it down and now we can read about it. It proceeds out of the mouth of God. Even so, all the way back in Deuteronomy that was written, and then all the way forward into the New Testament in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus quotes it when he's being tempted by the enemy to turn stones into bread. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's his nature. His word proceeds 